there are times in the world, and I found this in my life, when words don't work. And I'm reminded at this moment of, of Paul's words in Romans, in those moments when the Spirit intercedes with sighs too deep for words. And I don't know about y'all, but I know for me, the world at this time feels beyond words. The systems are failing. It's important for us to know that and to see that and to look at that because it's only with, when we are willing to actually see that and to look at that that we are able to recognize the holiness that holds us, that does hold us, that is here for us. We're just at this point collectively which leads us individually to these points where we get to trust the systems or the holy. I'm not saying those cannot coexist. What I'm saying is that these systems are not holding us. They have not been built with the holy in mind, at least not with the abundance of the holy that we now know to be the holy. And it's a tumultuous time. As Sherry and I were chatting about themes for this week and, and looking at images on Wednesday, we saw this one and it's like, don't you ever feel like that? I do. And if there's one thing I've learned about my own lived experience, it's that it's not that special. As special as it is, it's not that special. Because I know that we've all felt that way. I think for a long time, I spent my, my, told myself that I was strange for feeling that way, so I didn't talk about having felt that way. Only what's been wild is that I've learned is that the more often I honor feeling that way, the more often other people know that it's okay to say, I feel that way too. And what I love about these passages today, both that from Micah and also from Matthew, is that they affirm feeling that way. Now Micah's a little more complicated, so we'll get back to Micah. Maybe, if the Spirit decides that we want to get back to Micah. But there is something in walking humbly that is essential in that as a starting point. But what I love about this text from Matthew this morning is that these are the first words he speaks publicly. This is the beginning of his ministry. Now, remember, Matthew was written by an audience who was comprised of largely Jewish followers of Jesus, and Matthew was structured very strongly off of the Moses narrative from Exodus. And so Jesus goes up on the mountain, right? Matthew is actually structured in five parts to reference the Torah. You know, it's very clearly structured that Jesus is there to continue this message that Moses brought. So he's up on the mountain. So it's not just this new message that's coming in, but it's built with all of this history. It is built with centuries of history of this relationship between people and God. And it is all affirmation. When you get to Luke, you get the blessings and then the woe. You get the woe to you who lead to these circumstances of suffering. But here in Matthew, it is all affirming. It is naming the reality of the difficulty that people are going through at that time. It's the beginning. These are the first words he says. The first words he has for a public audience are, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What an opening line. What a start. And I think we miss that. We miss that. Growing up, I always thought that these were called the beatitudes. I add a little you, I guess. I didn't know the beatitudes. Like, I don't know, but I always heard beatitudes, right? And I think I, I gotta keep it because it is beautiful, they are, they are. But I think it's important that we sit with also what Jesus is saying here. Because I think a lot of times what happens is that in society, and particularly the society that sells, tells us to do, 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 why are we told to do, 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 do? To avoid something? Or maybe we're told to do, 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 because that's how we're told to be good. Jesus never says that, never says that. 
ever. But sometimes I think we do, 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 do because it's a lot easier than being. I can tell you what, over the last couple of years is I've learned to like cultivate a, a, a practice of meditation, mindfulness. I can hustle with the best of them. I can, I can hustle. I have years and years and years of experience to show you that I can hustle. I can, I can show you all of my receipts. And being still is the hardest work I've ever done. Because what I found is that being still requires me to sit with all of the things I avoid when I want to run around. But then I get back to this place, right? And what's happened is that over time, it starts to catch that being still works. It's annoying. It's annoying. It's annoying to know that if I am having a hard morning and I get up and I move and I do yoga and I sit still that I feel better. I want that to not be true. But I do every time. I feel better. So I got to tell you, it really works. You give it the time and it really works. It is a difficult passage. It's still difficult. What I know though is that those difficult moments, they have a way of moving through now. I know and I trust that I can find my breath. I know and I trust that I can find my breath. I do this thing now where I breathe and literally I can feel a gurgle. Like my stomach literally makes a noise. It's like, I don't know what's happening, but there's movement, right? I'm activating my abdomen. That's a whole other conversation. But what I find, again, with the being still is that it requires me to talk about or to be present with the ways in which I mourn. It requires me to connect with this meek part of myself. It requires me to hunger. And then if I'm paying attention, I can't help but hunger and thirst for righteousness. Because here's the thing I'm finding is that as I name the intent, even just to heal, a couple of years ago, as Charles and I were starting Every Table, the foundation, which is the new worshiping community I'm starting, the foundation of our, of our goal was to heal. We didn't really even know what that meant, but we knew we wanted to heal from the ways that we had been taught by society to combat one another, to be strangers to ourselves and one another. We named this intent, this humble intent. And I can tell you, everyone, everyone here needs to heal. We all need to heal. There's no shame in needing to heal. We all, if we've been living in this society, need to heal. We named that we needed to heal. We didn't even know what that meant. But what we found in the time since is that sitting with the discomfort, sitting with the mourning, being, having our eyes open to the ways in which we do need to heal, even just in finding time to sit and be present with the holy, now, maybe if you don't need to heal, if you are able to sit and be still and be present with the holy for an indefinite period of time, then I would say that, yes, you, are, you do not need to heal. But if you're anyone else, any of us, any of us, we need to heal. Because the thing is that we don't know how to be still with ourselves. We don't know how to be still with our mourning. We don't know how to be still with our grief. We don't know how to be still with police brutality. We don't know how to be still with interpersonal violence. We don't know how to be still with the way we've been taught to talk to ourselves. We don't know how to be still with the way we've been taught to be strangers to one another. We don't know how to be still with the reality that God loves us through all of that. Because the thing we know most so often is that we're never enough. We know that we always need to go. We know that there's always something we need to be ashamed of and that God is going to somehow fix that. But what if there's nothing we need to be ashamed of? What if there's nothing we need to be ashamed of or embarrassed about or try to fix? What if God is here saying all the time, I am here and I honor what you're going through. I am here through all of it.
through all of it. Over the last couple of years, since we've named this healing as an intention, and you all have heard me talk about some of the wacky things that have been happening, where my dad showed up in the birds one day, and I had this bumper sticker show up right in front of me with my own words speaking back to me in this moment when I most needed them. And I can share those stories later, if folks hadn't heard them. But what I'm finding is that those are connected to me naming that I want to heal. I said the intent. I said, I want to know that you're real, God. I want to know that you're real. And I say this as a 43-year-old pastor, right? I should know God is real. So if you know, I mean, right, there is a reality, though. It's like, I want to know. And what I found is that in just learning to be still, starting with 10 minutes a day, I'm starting to see the magic of the holy. I think those things are directly related. And I don't think there's anything special about me in that. I'm very clear that my role here in even being able to experience those things is an invitation so that you might experience them too. Because what I know through all of this, if I know anything at the core of my being, it is that the holy is here for all of us. We do not have to ask. We do not have to ask. The holy's here all the way. We can ask to see. We can ask to be shown. The holy is always excited, beckoning, cannot wait to say, let me show you how special you are. If you want to know, say to the universe, show me how special I am. Because more often than not, the narratives, right, what happens over time is that if we're asking, show me where you are, show me that you love me, show me the support that I know is there for me, show me I am loved. What happens is that over time, as you start thinking that, there's less and less room for, oh, I'm a piece of crap. I'm a terrible person. This is what I haven't done enough of. This is who I need to take care of. This is who I failed. This is where I've fallen short, right? We get to have that option either of those ways of thinking. But what I found is that as I start to even just say, even in my worst moments, my hardest moments, this sucks. I want to know that you're here. Then what I find is that my perspective starts to shift. And I'm not afraid of my mourning because I know that there's space there for my mourning. I'm not afraid of my of ways in which people may say or do hurtful things to me. I'm not afraid of conflict. I'm not afraid because I know that at the ground of my being, there is a stillness that is. And I know it's hard to get to, but I promise you, you can get to that. At least I keep telling myself I can get to that. It's a process. It's a journey. It's a way. It is the way, I believe, to our individual and collective wholeness. To know that we are good enough. To honor our mourning. To honor our grief. To honor our joy. To honor the fullness of our experience. To stay humble. Because what I have found in that, in these, in these experiences, this humble beginning, is that I cannot help but be overwhelmed with awe at the reality of God I am experiencing. I want more. So I'm like, I'm going to talk about it more. Because the more I talk about it, the more it happens. And I cannot help but hunger and thirst for righteousness because I want everyone to feel that feeling. I want everyone to know and to trust that God is here always. Or at least to know that you can begin that journey. Always here always. So wherever you are, 
honor that. You're living. And whatever you're feeling, that's what it is to feel as you're living. It's part of what it is to live. Claim it. It's beautiful. It's powerful. Even when it's messy. It's what it is to live, to be alive. And what were we born into these bodies to do but to be alive? I guarantee you, if you give yourself permission to be alive, you will not be able to help but be overcome with gratitude, humility, delight, joy, and utter awe at that which holds us all.